Welcome to Fellowship Podcast. We're so excited you tuned in. For more information about who we are, check out our website at fbclife.org. Thanks for listening. Hey, good morning, church. As Justin said, my name is Clayton. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, I, I no need to repeat what he said. Uh, he's, he's feeling fine with the COVID exposure, and we're really thankful for that. So um, I'm going to step in today and, and preach to you on 1 John 4, 18 and 19. 1 John 4, 18 and 19 of, of the love of Jesus overcoming fear. So I'm going to pray, and then we will dive into God's word. Father God, thank you uh, for this time. Thank you for these people. Thank you for those who um, are joining online and taking the time to do that. Lord, I pray that your word would speak bountifully in our hearts this morning. Lord, we're coming in uh, to church this morning with all kinds of things on our mind and on our hearts, things that are weighing us down. Uh, Lord, I pray that we would take time to give these things to you. Jesus, we love you pray that you would think with my mind and my words would be your words, and it's in Jesus' name. Amen. It was the middle of the week in the 1940s where this middle-aged man comes and he profusely knocks on the door of a Brooklyn church. Uh, the door opens, and he says, I would like to see the pastor, not specifically to sit and meet with the pastor. I just need to use the sanctuary to meet with God. So, of course, the, the pastor obliged, and, um, and this man was clearly stressed out. He had what it seemed like the weight of the world on his shoulders because the decision this man was facing could absolutely get him blacklisted from his industry. It could cost him his job, and he could be banned forever from his industry. On the flip side, he also knew that this decision could change the course of everything, in his industry. So what he needed to do was bring his fears to God to get the courage to move forward in love. So a couple hours go by and he grabs his hat and leaves. And a couple weeks later, there was a man by the name of Branch Rickey. He would sign Jackie Robinson, the first African-American to play in the modern major league. This decision took courage. It took strength and Branch overcame fear to love Jackie Robinson really, really well. So what are you afraid of? Now, we could go some superficial things like snakes and heights and spiders and kill all of them. Uh, if you, I'll join you in the killing of the spiders. They're gross. I don't know how they made it on the ark, but they did, and it's unfortunate. Anyway, I digress. Or we could talk about the deeper things. You know, we could talk about the future, the loneliness, death, rejection, or even failure. So how, how do you deal with fear? How, how do you deal with it? Do you, are you prone to anxiety or, or maybe depression? Or do you try to medicate yourself so you, so you feel good with um, pornography or overeating or a little shopping trip on Amazon? Or maybe you just simply try to keep busy if I just keep distracting myself, it'll all be fine. The good news is, is that the Bible gives us answers. The Bible gives us hope to battling fear. Now, what I'm not going to do, I'm not going to give you a seven-step solution. Here are seven ways for you to overcome your fear. That's not what I'm going to talk about. I have three points. 
There, the first one is we're going to talk about how uh, fear punishes us. How fear punishes us. Second one we're going to talk about is how Jesus casts out that fear. Why? Because we're with him. He's going to cast it out because we're with him. And we're going to talk about the antidote to that fear is Jesus loving us. That's important. It's not we're going to muster it up on ourselves. We're not going to look within. We're going to look outside of ourselves and to Jesus. So please hear me when I say don't fear. This is what I don't want you to hear. Don't fear. Don't do it. Stop. Don't fear. That's your news station. This is church. We talk differently here, okay? What I really want you to hear is a good father who holds the hand of his kid and says, I'm with you. I'm with you. And I'm never letting go. You can be brave. So that's what we're going to talk about. First John 4, 18 and 19 says this. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear for fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. So the first point is fear has to do with punishment. So I'll talk about four ways how fear punishes us. The first one is this. Fear is vision without hope. That we see the situation and there's just no end to the situation. There's no light at the end of the tunnel. There never was one. If it, if it is, it's way too far off. I'll never be able to see it. No one can see it. This situation, this difficult thing is just never going to end. It's uh, vision without hope. Uh, vision without hope may look like uh, you think to yourself, now how in the world could anything good come from this? How could anything good come from it? I just can't see it. Uh, fear, um, having vision with no hope, what it does is fear replaces hope with punishment. It replaces hope with punishment. Now, why would you want to walk into a future when you only see punishment and no hope? Right? Well, of course you wouldn't want to. You wouldn't want to do that. Second way is fear makes us false prophets who preach worst case scenario. You see, you're a prophet. I've seen the future. I know what it is, and it's only going to be bad. I know it. I just know it. It's only going to be bad. We see a potential situation, and the first thing, either out of our esophagus or in our brain, is the absolute worst thing. It's the absolute worst. And so we set our expectations sometimes to the worst because, listen now, we fear disappointment. We don't really want that feeling of disappointment. So if I set my expectations way down low to the worst possible thing, maybe it'll be just above that. Seeing doom into tomorrow robs our joy of today. Seeing doom into tomorrow robs our joy of today. And oftentimes, when we get to that, uh, that end point, it's not as bad as what we thought. Now, uh, I say oftentimes because that's not all the time. And I know what some of you may be thinking of what well, he said often. So there could be. And now I just like increased your anxiety. And I'm sorry for that. We'll, we'll keep going. And there's hope by the end of this. I promise you. I promise you. Uh, number three, fear ruins relationships. 
Fear ruins relationships. So we're afraid of, of their rejection or, or their opinion, or even we're afraid of failing them. So what we do is we, we turn to self-preservation instead of relational restoration. We get into this self-preservation mode. And we begin to fear and believe the worst about that person, the worst about our friends, the worst about our kids and our parents and our spouses. We end up believing the worst. And the little things, be, uh, help, uh, the little things that happen, you overflow with emotions. Overflow with emotions or could possibly you just uh, retreat, stonewall. Well, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to talk about it. I'm going to take a step back. I can't do it. I'm just not going to engage here. Uh, and with this person, sometimes uh, anxiety will strike when they bring up that particular topic. I'll let you name your own topic when they bring up that topic and you just can't even anymore. You're just over it. That was me flipping my hair back and forth, by the way, because I just can't even. Okay, And the whole relationship seems to be just a grenade with the pin pulled, just waiting to, there you go. See, and, th and this part's tricky, and I'm speaking from experience here, that if you don't forgive that person or those people who hurt you, it will manifest itself in fear. It will manifest itself in fear. And oftentimes it comes from a good place. So for example, you're thinking, it happened to me, I'll never let that happen to my kid. And then what happens is as parents, we become controlling. And it's easier when they're little and they get pushed away and they run away in middle school and high school. They run. Now, I, what I'm not saying is, you know, there's, there is a place for wisdom. Absolutely. I'm talking about having fear dominate the life. See, and, and this is one thing that um, I learned uh, several years ago, and I keep repeating it to myself, that people will admire you for your strengths, but they will connect with you on your weaknesses. So I, I don't know about you, so I'm thinking specifically in applying to parenting, but it goes other places as well, that do I want the admiration of my kids or do I want connection with my kids? And I mean, the list goes on and on of where that applies, right? See, because every time I confess my current sins and my past sins to my wife and to my kids, what I do in doing so is I stir the gospel in their hearts by pointing them to a better father and a better provider, and his name is Jesus. I get to tell them about the amazing grace and the sound is oh so sweet that saved a wretch like me. And even in my failures, the gospel can be stirred in their hearts. Because if we don't deal with what happened to us or is currently happening to us, your loved ones will have to. What I mean by deal with it, I mean by going to Jesus. That's what I mean, to be clear. If we don't deal with it, our loved ones will have to. So I want you to remember this because I know that's really difficult and that's really hard and that can be really scary. This is what I want you to remember. Good dad holding the hand of his kid saying, I'm with you and I'm not letting go. By your side the whole time. Ooh, it's heavy in here, huh? 
Um, I'm going to stop and pray for a second. Is that okay? Jesus, your word, 2 Timothy 1.7, for God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of love and of power and of self-control. Father, I want to pray specifically um, for the parents who, man, that, that is a contentious relationship with their kid and, and or grandkid. Lord, speak into it. Let them not divide over politics or lifestyle. Let them be united via the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. Number four. Number four is fear makes us selfish. Fear makes us selfish. Fear, what it does, it takes this situation and it just spirals around myself. It makes the situation about me. It's my situation. It's my emotions. It's my future. And guess what? Others are struggling too. Others are struggling too. And fear takes away our energy for other people who need it. It takes away our energy for other people. And so what we really need, what we desperately need is for Jesus to come alongside of us and be with us. Now, fear is to be replaced by God's love. This is my second point, that perfect love casts out fear. And the way for perfect love to cast out that fear is to be in proximity, is for him to be with you. When you are around someone who you know loves you deeply, loves you deeply, how do you act? Not with fear, right? There's a, you're relaxed. There's a gentle spirit about you. Now, it's really easy for me to say, uh, hey, here's seven steps for you to overcome your fear or, hey, don't fear, just, just quit that. Just, just do it scared, all of those things. And we know that that doesn't work because you and I, we have both tried those things and we continue to fail over and over. What we need, what we really desperately need is a loving father who pulls his kids close and says, Hey, I'm with you, and you can be brave because I'm with you. Joshua 1.9 says it this way, be strong and courageous. Why? Be strong and courageous for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Isaiah 41.10, fear not. Why? For I am with you. Be not dismayed. Why? For I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Listen, friends, even when it is hard, Jesus is with you. Even when COVID prolongs, listen, Jesus is with you. Even when the diagnosis is bleak, Jesus is with you. Even when the loneliness persists, Jesus is still with you. Even when the kids are so difficult and they're so insane, Jesus is still with you. Even when the spouse is distant, Jesus is still with you. Now, I can just say that and I can say it loudly and passionately, but what does it take to actually believe something like that so it changes me? Well, we go to Jesus, just like Branch Rickey did. The apostle Paul says it this way. In Philippians chapter four, he says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Friends, when fear hits, it's a call to pray. 
It's a call to pray. When, when anxiety strikes about that particular thing, we bring it to the Lord. It's time to let our anxieties and our fears be made known to God. And notice what Paul didn't say. He didn't say, you go ahead and pray and all your, th- and all your problems are going to be fixed. Although that's what I pray for, right? I mean, I pray for the thing to be fixed. What he says is that the peace of God that surpasses all understanding is that it's going to Jesus reorients our hearts and minds on the things of God. We all of a sudden start to have right worship and perspective, even through difficulty. And this is hard because I don't know if you're like me, I'm constantly have to check my emotions when I get fearful now, some of you uh, may not exactly resonate with that because uh, you're not an emotional person. You're, you're even keel. You're about here all the time, and God wired you that way, and that's fine. But for a moment, I want you to pretend like, I don't know, you're, you're cheering on the chiefs or something, and, uh, or maybe that you miss that deer that you've been feeding for the last 10 months at the exact same spot. Sounds more a lot like planning than hunting, but, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, and, and you missed him, and you missed him. You feel some type of way about that? I am sure of it. Because emotions uh, are like a sail on a sailboat, right? The wind blows and pushes and drives you. And the peace of God, the word of God, is like the rudder that will steer you where you need to go. And some people, this is more difficult than others. Some people have no rudder and they can't control their emotions. I call the three T, uh, these are the three T's. Toddlers, teenagers, and terrible adults. That's what these people are. Okay, I was all three at one point. It's fine. Sometimes I'm still there. Everyone's offended we're okay. All right. And so they're merely driven by uh, the wind in their sails with no control. You don't really know where they're going. Uh, They could tip over. They could go ashore. They could just go out to the middle of the ocean. You never really know what's getting ready to happen. Now, the goal is not to be at a loss of emotion or passion because emotions are good. God wired you that way. It's not to be at a loss of it. It's to let God's truth guide those passions and emotions, the rudder. Uh, When I was in college, I was discipled by a guy named Tyler. He's a pastor in Nebraska now. Uh, And toward the end of our time, he had this, he's wildly organized, incredibly intelligent, and a um, a good reader of people. And so he read me like a book, mainly because I wear my sleeves, or I wear my sleeves. No, I do wear sleeves, but I wear my heart on my sleeves, is what I'm trying to say. And so it was easy for him to read me. So he, at the end of our time together, he, he goes, Clayton, these are your strengths. And then we went over some weaknesses and I'll never forget it. At one time he goes, uh, when we went to the weakness part, he said, Clayton, you need self-control. I go, well, Tyler, you have no idea the amount of self-control I'm exercising right now after what you just said to me, okay? You would be shocked at my restraint in this moment. I don't think I need self-control right now. Uh, of course, he was right, and, and he went on to explain what he said is, I don't know if you guys know this, but I'm animated. I'm animated, right? Okay, and so I can get passionate about things that don't really matter, because if I were to ever preach to you with my hands in my pockets, I would have a stroke on stage. I am sure of it, okay? So what he told me is you need self-control, is you need to take, if you feel, God, when I was 19, God called me to preach and teach the Bible. He said, this is what you're going to do. You're going to have self-control, because that is the spirit that God gave you. And what you're going to do is you're going to use that emotion and that passion to preach and study. You're going to study and then you're going to preach it. 
That's what God's called you to do. That's what you're going to do. And I've wildly imperfect have pursued that ever since. What I needed was a rudder. I needed, I needed God's word. And to do that, you go to the Bible. You let God's truth dig deep into your soul. God's truth, not said news channel, not news article. Because we're being discipled from a lot of things out here. We need to be discipled by a lot of things in here instead. So we go to God's word and we let it dig deep into our souls and God talks to us through scripture and we talk to God through prayer. And what we do is we replace fears and worries with prayer, with prayer. Now, prayer can sometimes bring resolution. Absolutely, that's what we pray for is resolution, but prayer always and will forever bring relationship. It'll bring relationship. And what Paul is, Paul isn't saying that there's nothing to fear or that there's nothing to worry about. Paul is saying, let your worries be on Jesus. Now, why would you do that? Because Jesus is good enough and he's strong enough to handle them. He is. And this is tough for me, not only because I like to do things on my own, but it also seems to be that the older I get, it seems like I begin to have more fears about random things. And I was thinking this week as I was longing to be 16 again when I had like three fears and it was total blissful ignorance, right? And, and, and I knew everything and I had most of life completely figured out. And it was, I'm not talking about your 16-year-old. I'm talking about me when I was 16, okay? And, and everything was pretty great, right? So me, I'm personally, I'm constantly having to press into Jesus, press into the truth, press into my fears, um, because that's the source of love, is Jesus. Because Jesus loves me, and that in turn allows me to love other people, to, to face the thing that I am afraid of. So here's my third point, and this one will be short, that the antidote to this fear is Jesus loving me. Verse 19, we love because he first loved us. It's not the other way around. We love because he first loved us. And I don't, I don't know if you've ever experienced this. I don't, and I sometimes cannot find the love within myself to love that person, whoever that person may be, right? Have you ever found it difficult to uh, love others out of fear of what it might cost you? Maybe some time, maybe a lot of emotional energy, and you're exhausted, Maybe some money. Maybe it could be just this massive headache because you try to find common ground and you just can't and you're just baffled that they have that kind of crazy ideology. <clears throat> See, when the perfect love casts out fear, that's Jesus, when he casts out that fear, we're now free to have that difficult conversation because we don't fear their opinions. When perfect love casts out fear, we are now free to celebrate someone else's success without talking bad about them because we're not afraid of, uh, of their success. We're not afraid that we're, we're a victim all of a sudden because they're more successful than me. We're not, we're not envious any longer. We're now free to confess our sins with one another without defending ourselves because we know that Jesus loves us more than anyone. And he knows us more than anyone. We get to love because, listen, Christian, Jesus chose you. He chose you first. 
he chose you first. And it wasn't because you or I were so awesome that Jesus looked down and saw, and saw uh, me and said, you know what, Clayton, he's, he's kind of crushing it right now. I think I need him on my team. That never happened with any of us, right? He chose you because he's good and he is loving. Man, I don't know about you, but that stirs so much grace in my heart. That, that makes me appreciate grace because I didn't do anything. Jesus said, I picked you because I'm good. It was out of his, his love, he chose you. So when Jesus asks you, listen, to not fear, we're not, it's not a screaming match of, hey, don't fear. It is a loving father who takes the hand of his kid and says, I'm with you. I'm gonna hold your hand and I'm never letting go. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that you are the perfect father who casts out fear. Lord, thank you for going, thank you for going to the cross. Jesus, you made uh, everything in the beginning was perfect. Sin entered into the world. And then you stepped down off of your throne to be like us, to experience what we experience, to be tempted like we are tempted, and yet you were without sin and you were murdered for our sin. You were murdered and three days later, you rose from the grave, leaving all of our sins in the ground and empowering us with the Holy Spirit, not to fear, not to be timid, but Lord, the spirit that you gave us was the Holy Spirit and that is of love and of power and of self-control. Jesus, we thank you for that because you are those characteristics. Jesus, I pray that we not look for seven steps on, on, how to cat, on, on how to get rid of our fear, but we would look to you the author and perfecter of our faith who sent the Holy Spirit to embolden us, to be courageous for you. Jesus, we love you and it's in your name, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about fellowship or how to get connected, visit our website at fbclife.org and follow us on social media, 417 Fellowship. Thank you.